Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. It's our hope that this message would encourage you in your faith and would help you to get to know God's love, grace, and mercy in a personal way. If you have any questions on the sermon or would like to know more about Maranatha, please visit us on the web at maranathafreelutheran.com or call our church office at 218-498-2808. Thank you, and may God bless. Uh, You know, Lent is a a pretty special season of the church year, and uh, it has a rich history, too. Uh, I was, like Cliff, I was uh, reading about Lent, and uh, Irenaeus, who uh, died around the year 200 A.D., so 1,800 years ago, he first suggested that Christians begin um, preparing for Easter by praying and fasting for a couple of days. And uh, as early as 325 A.D., uh, Christians have observed the 40 days before Easter with prayer and and fasting, using that time as a time of of self-examination and repentance, usually right demonstrated uh, by some form of self-denial, by giving something up for, for Lent, right? And as mentioned before, we are today, Ash Wednesday, uh, 40 days away from Easter, Sundays excluded. And uh, Cliff mentioned it as well this morning too, right? Why it's called Ash Wednesday, right? Uh, first and foremost, ashes are a vivid reminder for us of our own mortality, our own pending death. And one of the lines in that responsive reading that we did today mentioned that. The Lord tells us that we are dust and we will return one day to dust. And another reason that, that ashes, uh, from, from really the beginning of time, ashes have been associated with repentance or with mourning, with, with grief, with sadness. Uh, remember after Job left or lost all that he had, he put on sackcloth, rough, itchy stuff, put off his nice clothes and put, off, put on that rough, itchy burlap. And then he went and he sat among the ashes, probably the, the garbage heap of his day. And the king of Nineveh, after Jonah came and preached, the king of Nineveh took off his royal robes and went and put on sackcloth and again sat in the ashes. Repentance, mourning, Grief. That's why we call today Ash Wednesday. And there's been the, the tradition of the church, right, to again place ashes on the foreheads of those who have gone to confession and uh, received, uh, again, the forgiveness of their sins. Uh, maybe you saw somebody today with ashes on their fur- forehead, and it was for that reason. It's not just the fact that they were plain dirty, <laughs> it's because they went to church and repented of their sins and, and received forgiveness. Um, Lent, again, as, as I mentioned, is, is a season of self-examination and repentance demonstrated, right, by self-denial. And that means that we, we are to give special attention to Jesus' words to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, and to follow him. And typically, this self-denial looks like uh, giving up something, right, um, and redeeming that time that you would spend uh, and, and dedicating it again to prayer and to scripture. Maybe it's giving up a meal for a day, uh, maybe fasting all day, or maybe fasting just for lunch. Instead, instead spending that time in prayer and in, in, in God's word. Maybe it's uh, giving up social media for a little while, or maybe even your, uh, your smartphone, right? <laughs> giving up something in order to spend time somewhere else. 
And during Lent this year, we're going to be studying again the Lord's Prayer. And it's a prayer that we're familiar with, right? We pray it together every Sunday. My kid can say it, and he's two, right? You know, it's just ingrained in us. And sometimes these, these words become so familiar, but we just kind of gloss over them. And I pray that we don't do that because there is a richness there. There is a depth to these petitions in the Lord's Prayer. And uh, there are seven petitions to the Lord's Prayer. And do you know how many Wednesdays there are in Lent? Seven, Seven, right? So even my public school math (laughs) tells me that we'll get through one petition uh, each uh, Wednesday night here. And so we're going we're gonna to pause, we're going to step, we're going to look at these, these points piece by piece. And then uh, I'll, I'll encourage you that when we pray this prayer, that we're a little bit more mindful of some of the things that we're saying and not just thinking, especially on Sunday mornings, oh, it's cookie time soon, <laughs> but focusing on actually what we are praying. Um, so if you have your Bibles there, uh, I invite you to find Matthew chapter 6. Uh, we're going to read the Lord's Prayer and I didn't write down what page it's on uh, in, your, in your Bible there. But Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 9, would you stand with me as I read God's word, the Lord's Prayer? Jesus says, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then your Bible might have the footnote for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. God, I do thank you for this prayer and I thank you again for sending your son Uh, not only to be our teacher and our our leader, but to be our our sacrifice, the Lamb of God who died for the sins of the world. It's on his name we pray today. Amen. You can take a seat. As as Jesus gives his disciples the Lord's Prayer, he's right in the middle of a discussion on prayer in the Sermon on the Mount. Before Jesus gives us this, this model, if you will, for prayer, he gives some warning regarding prayer. And he, he warns us against the, the, dic- the dangers of, of uh, praying strictly to be seen by other people, to be revered by other people. And then he also warns us not to ramble and, and babble on in our prayers. But yet, despite these cautions, Jesus acknowledges that prayer is vital and he commands us to pray. And then, then he provides us with this model for prayer. And the introduction or the invocation to the Lord's Prayer goes like this, Our Father in Heaven. Uh, On Sunday mornings, we pray an older version that goes, Our Father which art in Heaven, right? Same thing. There are a couple of wonderful things to notice, even about those simple, familiar words. And the first thing to note about the introduction is the fact that God is our Father, And this is significant in many ways. It means that God is personal, that we can know him. Many other religions don't have a personable, knowable God. God is an abstract concept or a a far-off force in some of those religions. But Christianity is different. The Bible teaches us that God is knowable, that God is very personal, 
and that God is, is personally invested in each one of us. And the relationship that the Bible chooses to describe between God and man is the relationship of a father and a, his children, right? Is a father and his children. Uh, John chapter 1, verse 12 says, But to all who did receive Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Believer, you are a child of God. Not by your birth, right, but by your adoption. We weren't originally born into God's family, were we? Mankind is, is sinful, separated from God. We were born dead in our trespasses and our sins, as dead as can be. Nothing we can do to make ourselves alive. We were a dead, rotting, corpse, spiritual corpse. But of course, God didn't see fit to leave us in that state, in that condition, did he? He sent Jesus. He sent his son to die for your sins, to redeem you from death. Jesus paid your redemption by his blood, shed for you on the cross, shed for me on the cross. And, and as John said in John 1.12, when we did receive Jesus, when we did believe in his name, God adopted us into his family. We became his child with all of the rights and all of the blessings and all of the benefits that that involves. We are his children and God is our perfect heavenly father. He is perfect. Maybe for you, the imagery of a father is not a positive one. Maybe there's some hurt. Maybe there's some neglect, some abuse, something that prevents you from approaching or appreciating that God is your father. And if so, I'm sorry. But know that God is a good father. Our earthly fathers disappoint us and, and let us down. It happens, right? They are human too. As a father myself, I'm continually finding out how disappointing I can be, how much of a letdown I can be to my kids, right? However, God, unlike our earthly fathers, is good. He will never let you down. He will never disappoint you. And if your earthly father has disappointed you, know that you have a loving and good heavenly father. When David reflected on this truth that God was his father, he said this in Psalm 27. He said, My father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. And the Lord told Isaiah the prophet that even if your parents have forgotten you, God said, Yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you, he said, on the palms of my hands. God is our perfect heavenly father. He loves us with an everlasting love. And notice in the Lord's Prayer that, God, that Jesus says that God is our Father. He is our Father. Not just mine, not just yours, but our, our Father. And this reminds us of the fact that we are not alone. In Jesus Christ, we are all, as believers, one body, correct? One spiritual fellowship. We are part of the body of Christ, the, the universal church spread across time and space. And we can take comfort in that, that we are not alone. We are part of the family of God. He is our good, perfect, heavenly Father. 
He is our Father. I love that, the brevity of that introduction there, right? Our Heavenly Father, our Father who art in heaven. Short, sweet, and, and to the point. There's the, uh, the story of a Southern Baptist pastor who used to love to, to wax eloquent on his prayers on Sunday morning. And he especially loved uh, expounding on the name of God. He would begin his prayers like this, O Lord God, the Almighty, merciful, gracious Father, our great Heavenly Father, the Creator of the universe, Yahweh our Adonai, Jehovah Jireh, our provider, Jehovah Nisi, our banner, and on and on and on he would go, just mentioning the names of God, waxing eloquent. And finally, one Sunday morning, the pianist had lost her patience and finally walked over and tapped him on the shoulder and said, just call him Father and ask for something. I love that, right? Just call him Father and ask for something. Our prayers don't need to be great and grand and have the perfect words. We just need to simply call out to him, tell him what's going on in our hearts and our minds, trusting that he indeed hears and cares for us. That's the introduction, the first uh, part of the Lord's Prayer. The first petition then, the first request goes like this. Hallowed be your name. And if I can be honest, I think the only time I use the phrase hallowed be (laughs) is in the Lord's Prayer, right? It's not just something I use outside of that context. So what does that phrase hallowed be mean anyway? Hallowed be uh, means to make something holy. When we, when we pray, hallowed be your name, we're asking God if he would make his name holy. But God and his name are, are already holy, aren't they? How then do we make it more holy than it already is? God's name is, in fact, holy in and of itself. By praying, hallowed be your name, we're not somehow raising the, the holiness bar or the holiness level on uh, yeah, the name of God or anything like that. It's holy enough. It is perfectly holy. So why in, in the Lord's Prayer do we pray, hallowed be thy name? What does that mean? In his small catechism, Martin Luther had this to say, about what it means to hollow God's name. And I really should ask some confirmation students what this is, because this was probably some of your memory work, but I won't pick on you too much, right? Um, Martin Luther had this to say again what, about what it means to hollow God's name. God's name is indeed holy in itself, but we pray in this petition that it might be hollowed among us also. Hollowed among us also. That means as we pray, hallowed be your name, we're asking God to make his name more holy in us, in our lives. We ask that God would reveal himself and his holiness, who he is, more about, more about him to us. And we ask that we would fall deeper in love with him and with his son, fall deeper in that relationship We ask that we would get to know him more and more. Hallowed be your name. Make your name, Lord, holy in my life. And so how is this done? How does God hallow his name in our lives? Uh, Luther gives two ways in his small catechism. And the first is this. God's name is hallowed among us when his word is taught in its truth and in its purity. 
when God's word is taught in its truth and its purity. When we spend time with God in his word, whether it is uh, here at a Lenten service or on Sunday morning together or in your own personal quiet time, in your own devotional life, in a, in a life group, whenever, whenever God's word is, is rightly read, taught, and proclaimed, when it's believed on, then Luther taught God's name is made holy in us. The Lord said to Isaiah, Isaiah 55, he says, As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but shall accomplish that for which I purpose, and it shall succeed in the thing for which I have sent it. God's word is powerful, isn't it? It changes hearts and it changes lives. And as Lutherans, we believe that God's word is, is the primary means of God bringing his grace to us. This is how, this, this word of God shows how God brings his grace to you. You would not know what Jesus has done for you, his, his death on the cross uh, in your place and on your behalf without the word of God telling you that. You wouldn't know of God's love for you without his word. You wouldn't know of God's grace without his word. And that's why we call it the primary means of grace. Through his word, God is made known. Through his word, God's name is made holy, is hallowed among us. And then the second way that God's name is hallowed among us is this. When we as God's children live holy lives in accordance with it, as God's children, we should not only hear what he says, but we should be careful to obey it and careful to do what it says. Oftentimes in our lives, we hear God's word. We know that it tells us to do something or not to do something, but we're slow to do it, aren't we? We're slow to obey what God says. We read God's word and <laughs> two minutes later, we forget what we have just read. Right? We quickly forget what God has told us. Uh, James says that uh, that's like a person who looks at himself in the mirror and then immediately forgets what his face looks like. Hearing and obeying God's word makes God's name holy in our lives. It is how we hallow his name in us, reading his word and obeying it. As I close this evening and we break off, can I ask you kind of a strange question? When was the last time that you thought about your breathing? Not your bad breath, that's different. <laughs> but your breathing, right? <laughs> Unless you found yourself hospitalized with pneumonia or uh, just completed a marathon, right? You probably haven't th given much thought to the breath that you take in, right? Breathing is natural. In fact, it's probably one of the easiest things that we do. Breathe in, breathe out. Breathe in, breathe out, right? And we do that all the time. Dozens of times each minute, hundreds of times each hour, all without the slightest thought of it. On average, you, uh, you breathe 12 to, to 20 beats, uh, or 12 to 20 beats, 12 to 20 breaths in a minute as you're sitting here resting with about 15 breaths per minute being the normal. Uh, that means that uh, you have taken, what have we been here, like uh, half an hour? You have taken about 500 breaths, 
<laughs> since you've been in this room. Maybe a few more because we did Father Abraham. <laughs> All right, but, but somewhere around there, right? And, and in the course of the day, you'll take anywhere from 17,000 to 30,000 breaths all without thinking about it, except, of course, now, because I'm telling you to think about your breathing and you're thinking about your breathing, right? Um, Ole Hallisby, uh, an old Norwegian pastor and author, wrote a short, powerful book on prayer uh, that he simply titled Prayer. Um, And he defined prayer this way. He says, prayer is the breath of the soul. I love that definition. Prayer is the breath of the soul. Just as, as breath and as, as breathing are, are natural and vital and necessary for our lives, prayer ought to be natural and is necessary and vital for our spiritual lives. I don't know what your personal devotional life, your quiet time is like, or even if you have one, but this Lenten season, I'd encourage you to carve out some additional time for God's Word and for prayer. It might mean, uh, it might mean giving up something, right? <laughs> It's okay. Social media will still be there (laughs) long after you have uh, given it up for Lent, right? But consider this. As as God's dear child, you have the wonderful opportunity, the amazing privilege to spend time one-on-one with your Creator and with your Redeemer. Don't take that opportunity lightly. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, you are our Father. Those words have so much meaning. I, <laughs> I started to pray almost without even thinking about what they mean. But you, Father, you are our Father. We are one body, the priesthood of believers gathered together in this place, and we have the opportunity to call you, the creator of the universe, Father. And you hear our request, and you act for us, and we thank you. We thank you for sending your Son, Jesus, for us. We pray, God, that you would make your name holy in our lives, that we would live lives according to your word, that you would guide us and lead us through your word. Help us to come to know you more and more day by day this Lenten season and draw close to you. And Father, maybe that means giving something up. Lead us and guide us even in that as we uh, turn aside from something else and focus on you, Lord, and then let that become the norm for us long after Lent is done. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.